Jesus, it's always an adventure to follow you. You always surprise us. You so often do things that we wouldn't expect. And I pray this morning as I speak that you would speak through your word to us. Help us to understand who you are better and to know you more closely. Amen. One of the things that um, Nell, my wife, did the present morning and I love to do is to watch movies. I don't know if there are any other movie fans here, but I love to watch films. Um, and one of the things that um, I love about a good movie is a good villain, good bad guy. Now, I know that if I were to ask you for your top five favourite bad guy villains in films, there would be a lot of controversy. So I've taken an executive decision, I've ignored all the magazines and all the research on Google, and I've chosen my top five of all time, this is undisputable by the way, um, are kind of villains in movies. So at number five we have Cruella de Vil. Anyone who wants to drown 101 puppies, it's not good. Okay, number four... Gollum. Is that a bit harsh? I thought people would think that. But he is pretty horrible. Let's be honest. Anyway, number three. Can anyone... Some of you will know who that is. This isn't Dr. Evil. Let's just make that quite clear. Anyone who's... Do anyone know who this is? Blofeld, yeah. I think he's the best Bond villain. Um, But again, that's indisputable because it's my list. Uh, Number two... Anyone going to the beach this summer? Okay. Jaws. And finally, and definitely the winner. Okay, do anyone disagree with that list? Or just at least number one, anyway. Anyone think it's a scarier villain? Okay, one, two people. Well, I, I think it's Darth Vader, and I'm sticking with him. Um, Darth Vader is a, is a villain that comes good, isn't he? He's someone um, that comes to their senses right at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, he comes good. But he is, and actually, if you look on Google for the kind of top, top movie villains, he appears in the top three more than anyone else. I did a little bit of research yesterday. It took me quite a long time. But um, I did find that Darth Vader was generally thought of as the most, the most kind of bad villain there is. Um, you take aside some of the others uh, there. In the movies, though, a villain or a bad guy is to be defeated, to be destroyed, to be got rid of, um, unless they might come to their senses and change, just like Darth Vader did. But even um, as Darth Vader gets worse and worse towards the end of the film, Luke Skywalker, his son, I've just spoiled the Empire Strikes Back, by the way, if you've not seen it, um, I think we're probably safe by this point in time. Um, but he, he's kind of told, don't bother with him. Don't chase him down. Don't go after him. He's too far gone. And Luke said, no, there's still some good in him. So Luke goes against most of the rules about bad guys and villains in movies. He goes after someone who's bad, someone who's an enemy, someone who's a villain. Because forgiveness is definitely not a virtue celebrated in the movies. It's not, it's not kind of celebrated, let alone loving your enemies. That's definitely not something that films are made about. We enjoy seeing villains getting their comeuppance. We enjoy seeing them getting defeated. We cheer when the good guys win and the bad guys lose. It seems as though the way we're told to deal with those who oppose us or dislike us or hate us or persecute us is to at best avoid them, but actually to take them down to defeat them, to beat them. That's what our culture would tell us. And according to our culture, Jesus' approach, 
which we heard in the reading this morning, is at best a bit naive, and at worst just downright stupid. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. I want to suggest, though, that Jesus might be onto something, um, and that this approach, the, the approach of our culture, actually might be the one that's missing the mark. Because actually, forgiveness and enemies and revenge is something big in our in our news at the moment. I mean, we had the terrible tragedy of the, the, the Norwegian massacre, and this week, Anders Breivik was sentenced to 21 years in prison for killing 77 people. A verdict that absolutely divided people. Some would say. 77 lives for 21 years. That's just, he should be killed. He should have the death penalty. Others, others are saying, well, he's got the maximum penalty he could get. And I'm not going to answer this particular kind of social ethical question now. But it's a real thing, isn't it? But not just a real thing in our society. It's a real thing in our own lives. Because the reality is, is that for many of us, we struggle with issues of forgiveness and, and revenge and, and hurt. Because we have those we consider to be our enemies. Those who've hurt us. Those who've wronged us. It's a big issue, a serious issue, and, and whilst we look at these words, let's not take them as just some light platitudes that Jesus has thrown out. When Jesus says to his disciples, love your enemies, he's saying to, to them, you've got to treat those who occupy your land, those who oppose you at every step, those who criticize you and hate you, you have to show them love, not hatred. You don't return hate for hate or violence with violence. Maybe some of us have known times in our lives when we've wanted to take revenge. Maybe that's something in our own mind and heart now. Maybe we've been hurt badly by a loved one or betrayed by a friend or slandered by a work colleague. Maybe it's that someone treats you badly because of your faith in Christ. And that happens, we know, around the world. Many face prison, even death, for their faith in Christ. Maybe we are someone who knows of many we would consider to be our enemies. And maybe even we are seen as an enemy by others. Jesus knows all about the reality of being opposed, of being hated, of being considered an enemy by others. And he would know those he would call his enemies. He looks at, he tells his followers how they're to respond. Because it's the way that he responded himself. So let's turn to the passage, shall we? In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Jesus said this, um, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Effectively, Jesus is saying, treat your enemies as though they are your friends. That's quite radical. That's not in a movie script. That's not what we normally see. Treat your enemies as though they were your friends. When he says love your enemies, the word for love he uses there is, uh, in the Greek language, they have three words for love. There's philia, which is sort of friendship love, a kind of brotherly love. Um, and then there's eros, which is the romantic love. And agape, which is the, a sacrificial love. It's a, a love that seeks nothing in return. And that's the word Jesus uses here. He said, you've got to love your enemies without getting anything in return, without expecting that they'll reciprocate. It's not a call just to tolerate or ignore people. It's not a call just to walk away and pretend they don't exist. It's to refuse to do anything that would demean them and destroy them, even if that's what they've done to us. And actually more than that, it's to seek to bless them. Seek the best for them, to speak well of them. That's what it means to bless, effectively, to speak well of, to speak good of someone else. 
really he's calling us to an active pursuance of our enemy's good. And he doesn't just say it as a kind of theory and then move on. He gives us some practical examples of how we're to do that. And there are three things that I want to talk about this morning. The first is this, it's to turn the other cheek. The second is to give away your shirt. And the third is to be generous to all who ask. Turn the other cheek. Probably the most famous of all Jesus' sayings. So is Jesus here telling us to allow someone who's already hit us to have another free shot? Well, firstly, I want to say Jesus isn't just referring to a violent attack. It's not just about punching, hitting, and kicking. He's, he's describing a degrading and insulting assault. When you're hit on the right cheek, it's a backhand slap across the face. What effectively the person doing that is saying is that you are unimportant, have no value, you are below them, even subhuman. And in the context, they would know that as a Roman kind of a treatment from the Roman soldiers who would just see anyone they wanted and they would smack them down because they could, because they were powerful. If we hit back, we keep the violence in circulation. When Jesus said, turn the other cheek, what he's effectively saying is, is you can hit me again, but you hit me as an equal. I'm not being a doormat. I'm not going to stand, because we have to stand up for injustice. It's right to stand up for injustice. But we don't stand up for injustice with, with iron bars and baseball bats. We stand up and say, we are equal. I have value and worth because God loves me. God loves you too, but you don't hit me as an inferior. It's dignity, isn't it? People try and strip us of our dignity. And Jesus said, be subversive. Stand up for yourself without hitting back. There's a better way than just violence. There's a better way than returning violence for violence. The second thing is about offering your shirt. And what Jesus means here is he's talking about the law court. And if you imagine someone who's incredibly rich uh, and powerful, and he's taking someone who's much poorer, much less um, uh, financially well-off to court, he's suing them. The enemy is suing this person for everything they have. He's rich, he doesn't need the money, but he wants to take everything they've got. He wants to crush them and destroy them. And Jesus said, by giving him your shirt and your coat... You're effectively exposing the awful injustice and actually forcing the person who's suing you to break the law of Moses. You're not allowed to take people's outer garments. You're not allowed to leave people uh, in such a way as that they can't look after themselves. And, and again, it's saying, do you see what you're doing? Come to your senses. Because what he's aiming for is a reconciliation. Ultimately, he wants enemies to become friends. Ultimately, he wants relationships restored. To offer your shirt is to say, this is wrong, but I'm not going to solve this problem with fists or with weapons. But I'm going to stand up and say, this is what's right. And I want us not to fall out. I want us not to become enemies, to become contentious with one another. So turn the other cheek means saying, you're not, you're not, I, I'm not an inferior to you, but I'm not going to respond with revenge and violence. To offer your shirt says, you might want to crush me, but I'm going to give you everything I have because I want to say that I'm not going to respond kind for kind. And finally, Jesus says, give to everyone who asks you. He's not saying, you know, enter poverty so that your enemies can live off your, your bank account, off your savings. He's saying, don't forget, treat your enemies as though they're your friends. Treat them with generosity. Later in the passage, Jesus says to the disciples, lend to your enemies. And the picture is here is when someone you've hated, who's oppressed you, who's hurt you, is in a time of crisis and comes to you for help, what do you do? Do you stand there and go, well, you were never there for me, so you can stay where you are, 
Jesus says, no, lend to those in need. In a time of crisis, we are to show love and compassion to those who didn't show it to us. This is hard stuff, isn't it? Is anyone else feeling like, I don't think I can do this? I genuinely find the thought of not returning like for like when I've been hurt. I mean, a silly example is when we're driving. Someone honks the horn at me, I'm going to honk it loud. If someone flashes their lights at me, I'm going to slow down. You know, it's silly, isn't it? But that's where it starts. It's the small things. But when it comes to the big and serious things, we're... We struggle, we fight, we're wanting revenge, we want to be proven right. And Jesus said that doesn't do much to help the situation. One of my absolute heroes, Martin Luther King, said this, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. A man who knew more about loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, than I will ever do. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, he said. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And in verse 31, after this bit of teaching, Jesus gives what we know as the golden rule. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Which, when we take that verse out of its context, sounds fantastic. When you put it in its context and it's all about your enemies, it takes on a whole new meaning. Do to your enemies as you would have them do to you. That's how we end the cycle of revenge. That's how we restore relationships that are broken down. That's how we go from being enemies to being friends. Think of it this way. Imagine the worst person in your life. And think of what great good you could do for them. Think of someone uh, that you're tempted to be cruel and unkind to. And send them a text just saying how much you value and appreciate them. Begin small. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who mistreat you. Give them to God, first of all. It's not an easy thing. No one ever said it was. Forgiveness can be really hard, but it's a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice we make. And sometimes it's a daily choice. And the bigger the thing we've got to forgive, the harder it may be. And let's be real about this, friends. It's not going to happen overnight always. Sometimes we have to go back to God time and time again. God, I hate them but I know I should forgive them. Would you help me to do that? That's a really valid prayer to pray. But hopefully we don't stay there too long. We want to go from a place of hatred to a place of love. Love your enemies, Jesus said. We could even do that with our actions. It might be that someone at work who is uh, just generally unpleasant to us, who we find hard to, to work with, how can we bless them, speak well of them? Do something good for them, even if it's not reciprocated. I'm not saying this isn't costly. It really is. But I'm saying it's the way Jesus calls us to be. And Christians and others have put these into practice for centuries, these principles. But it doesn't mean we'll never be insulted again or hurt again. Um, We might be slandered or oppressed by someone more more than us. We might lose our job because uh, someone is able to do what they they like to us. But if we take a stand against injustice without returning violence with violence it means that we can make a difference and hopefully let God's light shine in a situation turning the tables on an oppressor can land us in trouble standing up for injustice but it's the way that God's people are to go so we might think crumbs that wasn't the kind of light August bank holiday sermon that I was hoping for And I've not come to church very much, and you've just kind of landed us with that. That's kind of a big thing to take. Well, I want to say it is huge, 
It's not my words. They're the words of Jesus. And, and actually, they come with real credibility because it's exactly what Jesus did. If we look at his life, Jesus responded to his enemies in the most incredible way. Um, the Apostle Paul, writing a bit later on, says this, that while we, and including himself and all of us, were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, if you like, Jesus died for us. He took the initiative and came to us. He didn't wait for us to come to our senses. Because he longs for his enemies to become his friends. In fact, he seeks them out. Because all of us were far from God, and, but through Jesus we can come near to him. No longer be enemies, but be friends. Jesus loved his enemies. He wept for those who were to kill him because they wouldn't turn back to him. He loved them and gave his life on a cross for them. We know from the story, don't we, that Jesus was mocked, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was hurt, and he didn't retaliate. He didn't say anything. He stood firm in the face of violence and didn't take revenge. He was slandered and insulted, and he responded with grace and truth. His family didn't get him, and he refused to tear them down. He was arrested and falsely charged. His trial was a sham and illegal. The verdict had been decided before he arrived. His response was to accept the outcome and not fight back. He was made to carry the cross until it broke him. He gave away his clothes. He died naked on the cross, full of in one sense, what we would say shame, but he wasn't ashamed of himself. He gave away his clothes and his dignity so that we could regain ours. We know that Jesus chose to die on the cross, going the extra mile for each of us so that we wouldn't have to carry our own burden of sin and shame. Jesus loved his enemies. On the cross, he prayed for those who were laughing at him and mocking him as he died and said this, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Jesus gave up his human rights that we might go free and be forgiven. Jesus loved his enemies. The bar is set high, and at times we will stumble and fall. But we need to know this. He loves each one of us just as we are. Because of his death on the cross, we are offered forgiveness for the past. Maybe we've hurt or hated others. Maybe we've been an enemy in every way to someone else. But we're offered a clean slate and a fresh start. Today, we are offered for freedom instead of captivity. We can be free from that bitterness and unforgiveness. We can start a journey of freedom in Christ. We can be free from our past mistakes and experiences. We can be free from our guilt and shame because Jesus bore our shame for us that we might go free. Again, the Apostle Paul said this, it was for freedom that Christ died and set us free. Jesus offers us hope for the future if we'll come to him. Maybe today you feel far from God, but God has come near to you. Maybe you're longing for that sense of forgiveness, release from a hurting relationship, a broken down uh, relationship. Jesus offers reconciliation in himself. Jesus prayed that you'd be forgiven while he was on the cross. He prayed that I would be forgiven while he was dying on the cross. Before I cared and before I was interested. Maybe we long to be able to respond well to those who oppose us. Maybe we're, we're frustrated with our reactions to those who get in our way. Jesus will come and give us his love for our enemies.
He'll help us to change if we're willing to come to him and work with him. It may not be easy, but it's the way we're called to go. One thing that we do here at St. Paul's is we run something called the Alpha Course. Um, It's a wonderful place to find out more about this life that Jesus offers, about who this person Jesus is and who God is. Does God really exist? Is there, uh, you know, more to life than we see in front of us? And I want to say to anyone who's never done the Alpha Course, you're more than welcome to come. It's an evening where we have some food together, great meal together, um, a a short talk, and then a chance to ask questions uh, with those who are also asking questions. And the results are great fun. We, we've seen kind of in, incredible things happen. People who just have come thinking there's no answers, there's no help for my life, there's no answers to the questions I've got. And yet at that time I've found life and faith in Jesus Christ. I came to faith on Alpha when I was 18 years old. I hated church, I'd walked away, wasn't interested. But the person of Jesus I found fascinating. Hard to understand, challenging, but he intrigued me. And maybe that's where you are this morning. We'd love to invite you to Alpha. Again, come and find myself after the service. I'd love to tell you more about that. And as we finish, have we got people in our lives we consider to be our enemies? Have we got people in our life that we're responding badly to? Are there people we might need to forgive today? Jesus invites us to think and act creatively, lovingly, generously towards those we consider our enemies. Because, friends, I don't think the way the world tells us to do it works. I don't think that violence, returning violence, solves anything. I don't think defeating and destroying our enemies does anything. I think we need to do the Jesus thing and learn to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And the only way we can do that is through with his help, by his spirit. Can I invite us to stand, please? We're going to pray together.